am Boba Fett. I give my allegiance to no one. Multiverse Monologues presents... I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy. Like my father before me. I am not a bounty hunter. The Book of Boba. Breakdown. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. Please. Speak freely. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Multiverse Monologues. And this week, we're going to be talking about The Book of Boba Fett, Episode 3. A very controversial episode. And uh, I'm going to be breaking it down, Ben Ray's side, along with... Ethan Wetzloff. What's going on? And this and this one, it, oh, like I said, man, it it is supposedly, according to fans, according to critics, it's the worst episode of Boba Fett. And one of the worst episodes of Star Wars in a long time, of Star Wars media in a long time. And it's a very clear contrast, because last week we got... One of the best things. One of the biggest Star Wars creators called the last week's episode the best thing since Revenge of the Sith. And now, after this week's episode, we're getting petitions for Robert Rodriguez to be gone from Star mm -hmm. Wars. I think it's all a bunch of hullabaloo. Hmm. <laughs> but, but we'll get into it, man. This is The Streets of Moss Espa. We're going to be talking full spoilers. Um, this original episode air date January 12th. Uh, we are recording this on January 14th. 2022 and rotten tomatoes has this at 64 percent uh, as of tuesday and it brings the show to an overall 90 percent. so it's still pretty good but 64 percent no is yeah. not certified fresh it's a tomato but it's not fresh to be fair i believe walking dead season seven has a 65 percent on rotten tomatoes also season seven yeah okay well it we know rotten tomatoes doesn't really matter i just we like putting it in here because, you know, it's... <laughs> it's good to know what other people are thinking. Exactly. And on IMDb, people think it's a 6.7 as of today, which has the overall show rating of an 8.0. So overall, the show is still pretty good. I think it's hanging high off these last two episodes. But what do you think? What do you think of last week's episode, man? It's clearly very divisive. Yeah, there are elements to it that I really don't like. But overall, this episode advanced the present-day Boba Fett story more than any other episode has. And I really enjoy that aspect of it, just seeing Boba operate and just seeing this story advance. And I really like taking a break from the flashback-heavy format. Yes, even though I think the flashback in this episode, which we're going to get into is the most emotionally resonant thing I've seen in the show so far. Mm -hmm. And that's because of uh, what's happened and what it's built to. But we're going to get uh, right into it right now. Here's the synopsis. So we open the starting of the episode on the very famous trailer shot. Everyone remembers the Boomar monk across the dunes right um, away from Jabba's palace. And it, we find out because these, these guys were basically imprisoned by Jabba, Boba set them free, which, again, a lot of this episode spoke to how Boba was a leader now. We even get the uh, the question by 88. Everyone is waiting what kind of leader you are going to be, Lord Fett. So that's what I think this episode is dealing with. And we get it with a bunch of stuff. But that's how it opens. I love the opening, man. The Bomar monks 
are so epic. I, I remember playing them in the Lego Star Wars game. You get to jump up on them and ride them across Jabba's, the Jabba episode um, or the uh, level. But yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was pretty epic. So it pans into Jabba's palace, and we find out a good piece of lore for the city of Mos Espa in the days and years after Jabba's death by the droid 8D8. After Jabba died and Bib Fortuna rose to take his place, Mos Espa was divided up and given to three groups. The Trandoshans, for those of you who don't know, that's Bosk's species, took the city center. The Aqualish, those are the butt face aliens, the Aqualish took the workers' district. And the Clatoonians, those are the species who invaded that little uh, farm town in Mando Season 1, they took the starport and the upper sprawl. So the three families took each side of Moss Espa. And Bib kept the power between everyone by paying this mayor, Mokshais. That's how I'm going to call him. They pronounce him different in this episode mm. twice. Mokshais and Mokshais. I like Mokshais. Yeah, they've been doing that with a lot of names, actually. Boba. <laughs> and that's the thing, because Tim Morrison has a way of like saying things that isn't necessarily how everyone else does it. But... I mean, it is what it is. I like Mokshais, though. If, that, if that's how Boba pronounces it, that's how I'm going to pronounce it. But we get the line after all this dialogue. Everyone is waiting to see what kind of leader you are going to be, Lord Fett, from mm. 88. So the question is, Ethan, what kind of leader is Boba Fett? Bro, he's going to be one. He's a leader that rules with respect, not fear. And it, it's really hard for him to be that leader right now because of the leader we saw or we heard Bib Fortuna was. It's because he wasn't Jabba. He didn't rule over all of Tatooine. Bib Fortuna, it was split into three, as we just said. So obviously Boba isn't going to have the respect that Jabba had because Bib Fortuna didn't have that respect. Hmm. It just keeps going further down this totem pole, and with every leader shift, respect just diminishes hmm. for each leader. And that continues... It's no more evident in the very next scene because they're interrupted by a new character, a watermonger named Lortha Peel, who interrupts them and tells them that no one respects you, Lord Fett, the new daimyo Boba Fett, and that the streets of Moss Espa are in chaos. He tells Boba that if he doesn't, if he takes care of this biker gang that's invading and stealing all of his water that we know is a precious, uh, a precious commodity, yeah that he'll double his tribute to Boba Fett. And so then we get, it keeps going. During the night, Boba and Fennec and his two Gamorreans go to see this biker gang that's causing trouble. Boba does something very curious then, and something that a lot of people are kind of mad about. He doesn't punish the biker gang, but instead hires them, finding out that there is no work in that district. He even tells the watermonger to lower his prices. So we start to get a sense like you said, of Boba Fett. He's, he is being this respectable leader. He doesn't want to just enforce everything. He is there to like say, hey, listen, I'm going to bring you guys in. You guys got no work? Hey, I'll hire you. I'll, he's trying to make Tatooine respectable. Mm -hmm. That's what I think he's going yeah. to. And I think a lot of people are missing that because a lot of people just want the silent treatment like Mando got yeah. for Boba Fett. That's not really his character. And it's shown in the flashbacks. That's what people don't get about this episode and it's i love that because he's trying to bring a very chaotic planet mm -hmm. in tatooine and restore order to it restore respect to that planet that's where i think the show is going 
Yeah, I I agree. Just what a leader who wanted people to fear him and just get instant control of Tatooine. He would have murdered that whole bike gang. Be like, don't mess with the order right now. Fear me and you will respect me. But no, he wants to take the good, honest, hardworking man approach. And he wants to gain the people's respect. And I'm, who knows how it'll work out for him. But I will say, though, this biker gang, dude, <laughs> I really do not like this biker gang. It To me, this is by far the worst thing this show is, has done so far. And this biker gang, nothing about it feels Star Wars to me. I look at their uh, speeders, their outfits, their demeanor, their attitude, their cyborgness to them. They don't, they don't look Star Wars to me at all. And they don't feel Star Wars. And I saw someone else say this. They call them uh, Inspector Gadget. Ugh, and that's yeah. all all I can see now. I don't know. It, I think it's where they're placed. Because they're on Tatooine, and a, a planet that is largely tan and gray. And then you've got these biker gangs with these bikes that are like primary colors. They really stand out. And I think that's what the point is. But I agree with you. They they don't fit the vibe at all. And it's really annoying because this is Star Wars. This universe is huge. There are so many different creatures. And every cast we've really seen formed in Star Wars has never been just comprised of all humans. You see in the original trilogy, you got mm. Chewbacca in the mix. Uh, the first, the prequels, you got Jar Jar in there, and then you got all kinds of other creatures mixed in too. But this is like, if you're going to have a misfit gang of characters, I just want to know why is this cyborg group of teenagers or young adults the first thing you pick? Like, I would love to have a group with so many different species in there. And that's maybe a due to the show's budget, but I mean, come on. There's so many costumes in Lucasfilm that they could have borrowed. I don't know. It just... I do agree. I think that that girl character is going to be a little bit more important. She had a, the most screen time out of any of them, I think, or the most to say. But I don't know. I think if they were on Coruscant, I think people would be a little bit less mad. I think they fit that vibe better. But I don't know how. that That is my one issue. I think people are getting a lot, way too pressed about it. But I can't defend that, especially a scene that's coming up with them. But I don't know. They're they're just they just don't fit the vibe at all. No, Let's, but yeah, you you think of young adult on Tatooine, you think of Luke Skywalker yes, on New Hope yes. in his land speeder. Or let's have a let's have a young biker gang of Trandoshans. Yeah. Maybe. Or any other creature, man. I don't know. They, these people don't feel like Star Wars. And that's that's kind of how the sequels felt too. There was a lot of humans in the sequels. There's a lot of humans in this show. All of the main, like, all the main characters are humans. Even the side, there's a little too many side characters that are humans, too. Like, there's a lot of Twi'leks in this show, but I don't know why we haven't gotten, like, like a main show that's centered on an alien yet. Mm-hmm. Like, the first thing that, that the first time that's going to happen is with Ahsoka. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think that speaks to, like, okay, we as an audience are all humans, so we have to relate to the characters. So the characters have to be mm-hmm. humans. I don't think I don't necessarily agree with that. Ahsoka Tano is one of my favorite characters, and she's not human. Now she has a human qualities, but that's fine. 
make her a different species so we can find out uh -huh. more about that character. Because if it's a human, yeah, we know how humans work. We know pretty much everything there is to know about them. But if you have a different species, then that maybe you can play around that a little bit. Now there's just a biker gang. So it's like, all right, we know everything we need to know about them. Mm -hmm. I hope they don't play much of a a part coming up. I think they will. Yeah, same just here. Just from how this episode ends, but I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I do like this scene for the uh, aspect that it is Boba wanting to build a quote-unquote army. Yes. Building just a group of people around him to protect him. And we see that later in the episode. They do come to his aid and protect him. But I don't know. I just am not the biggest fan of this gang. And I think that's the main reason why this episode is getting so much hate. Yes, I agree too. I, I haven't heard. I, well, I have heard because everyone's still on the Boba should be the, you know, the strong, silent type. He should be beating everyone up. I've heard that shtick, but that's been there since episode one. The really, the only big problem with this episode is the biker gang. And I really think that this show is going to, especially from how this episode ends, we are going to get some fireworks coming out. Like, and we'll talk about that. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for this show to start getting into second gear because so far it hasn't, hasn't been there yet. Yes. Because I was sitting down today and I was comparing this episode three to Mandalorian season one, episode three. Mm. And that episode, still to this day, I think it is probably my favorite episode of season one. And for those of you that don't remember, it starts off with uh, Din Djarin delivering Grogu to the buyer. And then he goes to the uh, the forge with the other Mandalorians, yes. gets his uh, Beskar armor. And then it ends with him taking Grogu back, that awesome battle with the stormtroopers, and then all the Mandalorians swooping in at the end to just cap off the episode. That was such a good episode. By the way, the person who directed that is showrunning Kenobi, so <laughs> we, we should be pretty hyped about that. But I agree. This episode really lacks. But I think episode four is really going to be where it shines. I don't think there's going to be much of a problem with people in that episode. Mm -hmm. But we'll get to that because after this kind of very controversial scene, we get, in my opinion, the best scene in the show um a flashback sequence we then get the third flashback this series to uh camino oh no this this no okay this isn't actually my favorite scene but um this flashback is on camino from the point of view of young boba fett as he watches the slave one take off and i'm sitting here as i watched it again i was wondering why do you think this is the third time they've showed Boba Fett on Kamino. And it's largely been the same mm -hmm. kind of thing. But why would they keep sh why are they why would they keep showing this? Like I don't get it. Is there going to be some overall point to his flashbacks on Kamino? Is it there just to remind us? Because if so, we're reminded in the first episode. Why do you think they're doing this? Again? So I I think they're doing it because whenever we see that flashback of Kamino, it's always followed by the Tuscan Raiders flashbacks. Hmm. And I think they directly correlate because the slave one flying away off Camino is Django, his dad, leaving him. And Boba's been alone his whole life. But then the Tuscan Raiders come in, they accept him, they bring him into this family. And then there he has his family. Hmm. He's no longer alone. Because we've seen him hop around from gang to gang. 
in the Clone Wars being a bounty hunter. That's true. But th- th- that was never his family. He never had a family. Yeah. But now the Tuscan Raiders, they brought him in as one of their own. Uh, one of his, their own. And that's his family now. And it's like, this is where I was. I was alone. But now I have this family. But as you're saying in this flashback, that that all changes. What do you, what yes, do you think? Yes, I know. And, and we'll get to that flashback. But I don't know why. Like, because that scene, maybe they're just trying to drive it home. Like, this is the third time. He is alone here. Like, this is just going to be what it is. But if so, we got that in the second episode. Mm-hmm. He flies away. Like, why would you show it again? You know? And I, if if it continues, I will say this. If it continues in episode four, I think we're going to get something on Camino. Like, Well, every time we've seen the scene, it's been longer than the last time, correct? Yes. So I think there's going to be something there. Like, I don't think we're going to see Omega. You don't know who that character is yet. I've seen the first few episodes of Bad Batch, so I do know. You know who she is in the wider universe. She's uh, the sister. She is his sister. Yes. She is the second and only second of what we know, unaltered clone. And so she ages the same way as Boba Fett does, normally like a human being. So I don't know if we're going to see her. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if we'd see, like, her. And then we see her being taken away by the, like, he maybe he looks at her a little bit. And then she gets taken away by the Kaminoans, emphasizing the fact that, yeah, he is alone. Like, even that right there, oh, maybe I can forge some ties with her. Oh, no, you know what? Mm, They're taking yeah. her away from me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. You know what? I'm sticking with that. I wouldn't mind actually seeing that, I don't think. Maybe to tie, try and merge those. Because there's a reason they are introducing her in Bad Batch. and Maybe this is yeah. part of the uh-huh. reason. So, I don't know. But then we get the, this is this is my favorite um, flashback. Boba then gets some epic shots of him riding uh, on a bantha. Like a bantha. I've seen so many memes of that, man. But he's riding on a bantha across the dune <laughs> sea. As we find out, he's going to have dealings with the Pikes. The Pikes tell him that they will not pay protection to more than one party. Boba asks who they are paying, and the Pike leader tells them that they are paying the Nikto Biker Gang. And then Boba says that he'll take care of them. We are the only protection that you need. So after he says this, we sit, get some more epic shots of him riding across the Dune Sea with some epic music, by the way, composed by Joseph Shirley. And he walks back to his encampment. And we see smoke rising up over the mound. The Tuscan clan that he had grown so close with is dead. As he piles the carcasses and burns them, just as Luke burned Vader in Return of the Jedi, we even see him shedding a tear for the only true family he ever had. And that, I, that really moved me, partially because of the score and the corals in the background, but because this character, and it emphasized to me why they're telling this story mm-hmm. and why it's not going to be just the this silent, strong type who is there just to kill everyone. He's gone through some real trauma in a family that he's been inducted into and who are now destroyed by the Pikes. I, I just love that scene so much, man. And that that's what really got me the most. But yeah, I, I'm glad we spent so much time in the present, but this scene, and we all kind of speculated on it. Noah Badal actually called it. He said to me, he texted me, and he was like, yo, dude, this they're totally going to do this scene. And then it happened. Yeah. And so 
it was just I didn't know they could make me feel so much for these sand creatures again from the last episode you know I know they they did a good job in just that one episode establishing that this is his family and yeah when he goes back to the camp and you see the smoke it's it's a sad sight to see I will say though um we didn't see the lady tuscan mm, yeah we didn't see the lady tuscan across the like they they even pan down to show the dead tuscans we see the leader there he's dead but why wouldn't they show the girl like that's arguably the one who's formed the most mm-hmm. like it's definitely the person who i would have wanted to see like dead so maybe maybe she's not dead maybe they're gonna bring her back but i don't know I, we see him putting sticks into the fire and we see the little stick that the kid tuscan had there as he throws that into the fire so i think that confirms that the kid tuscan is dead but i don't think the lady tuscan is dead i think there's still more for her to do in this episode but he's then legit he's ripped out of his bactopod by black kersantan and has a pretty epic fight i must say and he almost dies legit he like black kersantan picks him up and you can hear like the crackling of him just a little strange scene when i was watching that it it kind of took me out of it it's not really a nitpick or anything i just thought it was kind of odd but <laughs> as he's being picked up man his like his big toe yeah. is like weirdly i know like, yeah high i was like, like i thought i was seeing stuff because then in the next shot the toe looks normal yeah so i was like oh i was just seeing things Yes. But then I saw it again, and I'm like, oh, no, that his his toe's like that. His toe's bent up like that. I'm glad you noticed that because I was sitting there. I was like, whoa, that's kind of weird. Can I do that with my foot? That's kind of weird. I don't know. I it, it was pretty insane, though. But the Gamorians and the biker gang come um, to, his, uh, but, to his rescue. I will say this, dude. These Gamorian guards suck. Dude, they suck. They suck at their job. This is like the second or third time in the show boba has been directly attacked and that's not even referencing how at the end of mandalorian boba and fennec walk right into uh jabba's palace and kill bib fortuna like dude these guards are off eating some pizza or something they need to be (laughs) doing their job and guarding the the king right now so i was able to reconcile my qualms with that because Black Kersantan has been a bounty hunter that's been doing this for a long time. Yeah. So he, uh-huh. he would have ways of getting in there. It's just, you know, why wouldn't they be exactly right outside his door? We don't see him enter, so we don't know how he got in there. But I just feel like, especially for the time they took to get in there, man, it was like, whoa, dude, you guys are, <laughs> you guys really stink, man. Maybe if they had six-pack abs, they could run in there faster. Maybe so, <laughs> but no. But I... D- <laughs> I do feel like uh, Gersantin would have just murdered Boba Fett right away. And that's what I—that's my question for this. Is this a good fight? Because I, I think it is. I think it's pretty epic. But I think the fight that people wanted to see was Boba with his armor yeah, uh-huh. versus Gersantin fully like a Which legit we'll, fight. We'll probably get that. Do you think he's going to come back? I don't know what. I don't he know. He kind of just runs away at the end he of this episode. He might even be on... Our side now. I don't. I don't know what their plans are with Kersantan. but there is one part in the scene where uh, Boba's hand is bit by Kersantan, and then he's screaming, but he just kind of pulls it out, and like a chunk doesn't really rip out of his hand. I thought yeah. that was a little like what the Wookiee just released his bite grip. Yeah, 
but whatever. It, it's I fine. I have seen people say that the the punch that he gives Boba with that electric like yeah electric uh-huh. knuckles like apparently in the comics that punch knocks you out mm-hmm. like, big time. But so, he's he's fresh out of this rejuvenating tank. Who knows what kind of juice that pumps into a person's saying, body? Man. And I mean, he's not a normal human. He's an altered clone, so that is true. maybe they got some extra juice in them too. Good point. Good point. <laughs> but then he makes the age-old mistake at the end of the fight of stepping over the uh, floorboard of the Sarlacc, and he presses the th- Fennec presses the thing, and he's sent down, and he's just raging down there. So oh, yeah. Um, that was that was kind of funny. Yeah, his band of misfits. You forgot to mention them. They come on in. Yes, I. And save the day with their gadgets and tools. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really <laughs> mention them because they didn't really do anything. They, they Bubble would have died if it weren't for them. They saved his life. The only reason, though, that well, yes, that's true, but I think I really do think that if he didn't step over that floorboard, I think he, they would have. He would have murdered them all. I, th- I yeah. do think so, because. There's just this one guy. He's like twirling his little thing. And they just kind of like walk his up yo-yo. on him. Yeah, and then like he just the only reason Kersantin goes down the stairs is to tackle those Gamorians, you know. So, <laughs> so, I do love seeing a Wookiee in action again. Yes, I will say that that was the and most he even brutal, had the dude. classic Chewbacca sc- yeah. scream in this scene, which was awesome. It was pretty epic, man. But I th- I, I think the fight is. Not what we wanted, but better than people are giving it credit yeah, for. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah, it, it totally is. So a quick cut after that. A meal is set for Boba and Fennec, and they wonder if they should respond to this threat. Kersantin was clearly sent by the Huts, and to their surprise, the twins actually show up themselves with a gift. The Rancor. Bro, when I saw it come up, I... Because I... I remembered, and then I remembered that we weren't going to get a Rancor in this show in the last episode. Yeah. And then we do get a Rancor, and we get the Rancor in probably the best way I could think possible. Like, in the scene that we're going to talk about eventually. But uh, the brother tells Boba, the brother Hot says, we were both lied to. And this, this dialogue is pretty key to what is coming. So he says, we were both lied to. This territory has already been promised to another syndicate. And Boba says, promised by who? The sister saying, that spineless mayor, Mok Shaiz. So Mok Shaiz is clearly having another syndicate lay claim to Tatooine. Hmm. And Fennec asks Boba after the huts leave and Kersantin is set free and the Rancor Keeper is there. He says, She says, do you believe what the huts said? And Boba said, I have no reason to believe them. They would benefit from their enemies fighting one another. And I turned on the captions because I wanted to make sure I got these lines right. And I misheard it the first time. I said, I, I thought he said, I have reason to believe them. They would have reason for this. And so I turned it on and I, I, I heard the, I have no reason mm-hmm. to believe them. They would benefit from their enemies fighting one another. So clearly I think there's something else going no, on yeah, here, man. Those huts are liars, bro. Absolutely. They, they, they want Boba to leave. Like, oh, you better get out of here, man. They say it's bad for business, but I I, I don't know if I believe. So that, They're like, oh, you got to leave, bro. Then they give him a Rancor, which of course goes in the Rancor cage. So <laughs> take your Rancor with you, I guess. I don't know. 
It's, well, dude, that's what we get in the next scene. Because the Rancor is not just a beast to scare people with, but we find out that he's more of a pet. Mm-hmm. And that's the coolest thing it in the world, It is so cool, man. dude. I have this vision of Boba Fett riding a Rancor through the streets of Tatooine. Well, he, he's... He, oh, my gosh, dude. Yeah, he says in this episode he wants to ride it. Dude, and the, the image of that, like, could you imagine a scene with a bunch of bounty hunters and Boba riding into battle on, on like... It's like, bro, that's a leader with respect. Yes. Screw screw the huts being carried on their little whatever the frick. Uh, (laughs) Give me a rancor to ride around. Yeah. Yeah, he has a big saddle on his head. Where would he ride it, though? Would he ride in the head or on the back? How how would the rancor walk? Probably right in the slump. Probably right in the neck. Yeah, because right? I don't think we've seen a rank anyone riding a rank no, before. I don't think we have. I think you. I, yeah, I think it would be right on the neck, just because there is there is a um, a risk of this looking pretty stupid, <laughs> depending on where Boba sits on the rancor. But I think if they could pull it off well, I think it's going to be very epic. Yeah, I think the neck's the only place he could, because if he sat right yeah. on the head, it would look kind of goofy, and then the back, the rancor's like crawling. Maybe that would be cool. All I'm saying is we better get scenes of him training with the Rancor. Yeah. Because oh. I don't think that a lot of people have been speculating that this Rancor Keeper has a, a, another motive. I don't think so. I think he literally is just a Rancor Keeper that the Huts have hired to give to Boba Fett. Now, I think the Huts do have some something going on. But I think it le- legit was a tribute to throw Boba off the scent. So I just want scenes of him training with it and being like he even starts to scratch. He's like, oh, is that the spots? Oh, you're a good boy. Like, dude, I, I'm so excited for that, man. Yeah, even if uh, the Rancor zookeeper dude, who is Danny Trejo, played by. Yeah. yeah <laughs> shout it to him. I thought he was with Kanja Club in Force Awakens, but I was. He, he's, he hasn't been in Star Kanja Wars. Club. Kanja Club, dude. <laughs> but <laughs> even if uh, Danny Trejo's character has all alternate, alternate motives. Mm-hmm. I don't think it matters because the Rancor seems to be like pretty pretty chummy with Boba already. Well, we find out that he the Rancor attaches itself to the first person that lays eyes on yeah. him. Uh-huh. And so he opens it up and boom. So Boba is its master at this point. Just like we saw in Return of the Jedi with that with that fat guy crying over the Rancor in there. I, actually... I love that they give context to that that yes. dude just crying. It makes sense now. Here it is, man. This was legit like his dog. <laughs> Rancor, who knew, man? That's way man's cooler than friend. having a dog, man. Oh yeah, are you kidding me? Rancor is man's best friend now. I wanna, I, I kind of want a Rancor. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> it, dude. It was just so freaking sick. And it really, that scene reminded me of the scene from Jurassic Park, mm. when uh, I forget which dinosaur it is. What, what do you call that dinosaur? I'm not you, sure. Uh, Tyrannosaurus, uh, not Tyrannosaurus Rex. I think I know what you're talking about. The uh, the three horned. Oh, Triceratops. Yes, a Triceratops. Oh it reminded me of that scene a lot. Yes. Yeah. Well, because I was marveling at the fact that it's not CGI, dude. It's that's Is legit. It? It's practical yeah. effects. You can tell because I feel like I can make the connection. Mm-hmm. I think if it was if it was CGI, it would a little bit it would have been more leathery. Like I could kind of tell that this was something that was made. No, yeah, it it looks legit. It like, looks legit. Looking at the huts, you can tell those guys are CGI. Yes. Just the way they right. look and they mend with the background. But this mm-hmm. dude, he looked real good. And listen, if it is CGI, then holy holy cow, they're doing a great job cuz I'm convinced that that's legit a real thing. Yeah. But and, and in this scene, yeah, he's yeah. he's like, "I got to get you a name, buddy." What do you what do you think he's going to name the Rancor? 
I legit have no ideas, but I know you you had a guess. Though. Yeah, dude, he's gonna name it Django after his dad. You think? <laughs> no, I don't know. I just think that'd be really fun. That would be cool. I don't see it. I don't see it happening though because of how much Django was really present in his son's life. But I mean, we do get a scene in episode two, and they're both like buddy buddy, man. They're both taking out Obi Wan, flying through the asteroids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, that was pretty good actually. But like, I don't know. There also is a pretty deep cut Easter egg when Boba says, "I've ridden beasts ten times this." Yes, uh-huh. dude, it's a it's a reference to the freaking holiday special when he's riding the Mythosaur in that one little six minute special with Luke and and Han, like that. That is, is that all it is? Is six minutes? Oh, I don't know. It might be ten minutes. I don't know. It might be a little bit of a short. But dude, I was like, dude, that has to be a reference to that. I that's why I like these shows, man. They're making these really deep cut references to like stuff that they don't even need to do. <laughs> the holiday special is two hours, man. Well, no, the holiday special is two hours, but the short with Boba Fett. Oh the, yeah, the animated, the animated short, short yeah. is like okay. Well, I think I think it's a little bit longer than than six minutes, but I don't know, man. It was a pretty epic Easter egg. But then he's interrupted by AT8, who tells him that the mayor is avoiding him yet again. They go to visit him, and the major domo tells them that he may be able to arrange some appointments. Dude, bro, listen, <laughs> the holiday special is so bad. I know you're over there laughing at images from that. Have you? Well, hold on. Have you ever seen that? Dude, no, I have not. Have bro, you? Oh yeah. <laughs> Me and my buddy sat down and watched all two hours of it. It's free on YouTube, man. They're not gonna. They're not gonna uh, take it off. Because then that means they would. They would uh, think that's a legit property of Star Wars. They have a bit of it on Disney Plus, though. The Faithful Wookiee. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's pretty bad, though. That maybe we should do. Maybe we should do a podcast episode on on the holiday special. <laughs> well, it's got a two point two on IMDb. Really that high? <laughs> <laughs> All it's, right. It's, yeah. it's, it's it's legit bad. But anyway. He goes to he goes to the major domo's office and he is told that oh okay after threatening to kill the major domo and the mayor that the major domo tells him all right well maybe I can uh, rearrange some uh, appointments that are not so uh, time sensitive and bro I hate this guy like this guy needs to die but he goes out and then he takes off on a speeder and we get the best scene. In I think honestly all of Star Wars television, best I'm, scene in Star Wars history. Right I'm not, here. dude. I straight up, dude. You want to talk about chase scenes, man? This this is definitely top three. This is cream of the crop, man. We're talking, dude. High speed, bro. Yeah, this po- is, pod racing. Who? That's what I'm saying, man. This is a great chase scene. Now, clearly, if you've seen the episode, you're like, what the heck? And yeah, this this scene is a little indefensible, man. This. It was I rewatching it again. I'm. <laughs> I think it's getting its justifiable hate. You you think in post production, anyone would look at that scene and know that oh we should double speed this scene. This is horrible. <laughs> all you have to do is double speed it, man, and slow it down when they hit the the all the stuff in the. I mean, maybe you can make excuses that they're going through a market, so they can't go that fast. No way, man. It just makes it more interesting if it's faster. Dude, in episode six, you see Luke and Leia zipping through those trees. The, on a the forest. Yeah. Full of trees. <laughs> yes. So if you're telling me that this, like, they're legit going 10 miles an hour. 
I could have ran and caught up to that dude. Like, I they were going that slow. Oh, it and then it didn't help when you were trying to. They tried giving all the uh, inspector gadgets these cool scenes, bro. Uh, it riding their horrible. speeders, like, they're like going up the buildings <laughs> and doing flips. She go, she goes up to one thing and she comes down and she like, she like hits it, but there's no tension or anything there. Because it's going so slow. Like, it makes you appreciate fast chase scenes. Like, more than you ever would because this is just so subpar. <laughs> like, I don't know how you look at that when you're making it. Like, the finished product. You're like, all right, this episode's about to go on Disney+. Plus, and you're like, hmm, maybe we should speed this up. Did it, did it, I, there's got to be someone on that set. Like, All it takes is even just hitting the speed bar. Times two. Maybe I'll watch it in times two. Let's go on YouTube and see anyone like speed it up. Like guaranteed, there's a YouTube review. Like edit. Or Dude, whatever, people edit everything. Oh yeah. Dude. Especially uh, what's his face? Dude, Venom in Spider-Man three. Dude, what's his name? Uh, Topher Grace. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, he <laughs> to relieve stress, he just goes and edits things, and it's just so cool. He did uh. The whole prequel trilogy he edited into one movie. And then he did the whole Hobbit. He edited that into one movie. And I don't know what else he's edited, but. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. He edited the Star Wars prequel trilogy into one movie? Yeah. It's like a three-hour spectacle. Was it the prequel trilogy or was it episode three? No, it was the prequel. Why would you do that? What do you mean? Why would you do that? Like edit it into one film? Because he wanted to make it flow better. One one movie takes place ten years before episode three, and one another movie takes place three years before episode three. You have plenty of movies that take place over long periods of time. Yeah, I guess so. But why would you edit it into? I don't. I guess that's true. I don't for know. for fun, dude. I will say though, The Hobbit though, I can get behind editing that down to one movie. Yeah, I can totally see that. Like I'm, I'm actually a, a Hobbit. Like I like those movies more than most. I don't find as much problems with it, but. I don't know, man. I I don't see editing the prequels down. I think they only should be like given more scenes because there's just a lot. But anyway, once this great chase scene is over, we find out that the mayor is working with the Pike Syndicate. We then get an epic couple of shots of the Pikes walking down the ramp of the Starliner. And one of the biker gang sees this, and he tells Boba that there are at least a dozen there. And Fennec says... This is just a first wave. They're going to war. And Boba says, we'll be ready. <laughs> and that episode ends. So are we going to see a full-out war between the Pikes and Boba Fett? Because here's what I've got to say to you, man. Boba doesn't have a full crew yet. No, he, he does not. doesn't have the numbers for a full-out all-scale war. He needs to go uh, recruit Kersantan. He needs to go recruit <laughs> Bosk. He needs to go recruit Dengar, bro. This is where I think we're going to get these people. He's going to go across and and pick people. Like, he worked with Cad Bane in the Clone Wars. Oh, that would be too cool, This is where he recruits. He calls in his favors, man. That does make sense. That would be so fun to see. This is what I get. Kind of like a Muppets movie bringing the gang back together. He's flying around in the Slave One going, oh, that would be so cool. So listen, have, have you seen the Magnificent Seven, the Western movie? No, I have not. So in that movie, they have this gang of people 
that comes in and raids the town and everything. It's basically like, no, 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 okay, The Mandalorian, episode four, with when he goes to that backwater planet and the Clatoonians are coming in and wrecking that village in season one. Mm-hmm. It's basically that, but the main character goes out and he goes and finds, like, people to help him out and to help him with his cause. So they go back to the, they go back to their home base and then all of the enemies come in and surround them. This is what I want. A shootout at Jabba's palace of all the pikes going in and trying to take Jabba's palace and Boba with Dangar and Bosk and Cad Bane all sitting there in their corners, like peeking out, boom, and firing everything just like a Western would be. Mm -hmm. That's that what would I be want. really cool. And listen, I'm not holding out hope because I never try and hype myself up. But if they, if it was me doing this episode, that's what I would want. An epic shootout at Jabba's Palace. And why wouldn't you do that? They Maybe they've got a different story that they're planning to tell. Like, that's what I think. Like, I, I never try and, like, because in Rise of Skywalker, Star Wars theory, he goes, you know what I want to see? I want to see at the end of it, Ray, she's sitting at the end. And she's then joined by all the Force ghosts. And at that time, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I want to see. Hmm. I want to see that more than anything else. Not realizing that it would not make sense to have Force ghosts there. Because the Force ghosts cannot interfere in events like that. We get that line from Obi-Wan in Return of the Jedi. If you go to face Lord Vader, I cannot interfere. He says mm -hmm. that in Empire Strikes Back. Sorry. I cannot interfere. Why, we don't know. But Force Ghosts can't interfere in conflicts like that. So, but at that time, I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, this is what I want. This would be so epic. And I got my expectations hyped, and then it didn't happen in the movie. And I was kind of... So I, I temper my expectations a little bit, and I would say that for everyone. But if I was the one writing this, that's what I would want. A shootout mm -hmm. at Jabba's Palace. You Heck know, it, yeah. would, it would make for a pretty epic Lego set, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. What, what has happened yet in the show that makes you want to buy the Lego set of that scene? I guess maybe the Rancor. But nothing really Lego. Train, train sequence, man. Yeah, I guess. I guess the train sequence. Yeah, a little bit. I think there, there are rumors that they're making a, a, a Lego set of Jabba's Palace. For those of you who don't know, we're pretty into Legos, even at, even at our age. Legos are epic. It was a point of epicness in our childhood, and we, we still do some collecting today. But um, I, I think the train sequence would be good, but I just, I, dude, I really, more than anything, just want to shoot out a job. And that, that, that's what I got at the end of this. We're teased with a war and a conflict mm -hmm. coming up. Yeah. So does this episode have problems? Yes. Is it as bad as everyone's saying? Definitely not. We got an epic scene of closure with the Tusken Raiders. They're all wiped out now, and Boba has to deal with that. We got an epic fight with Black Kersantan. We got a lot of lore in this episode about a freaking Rancor. We got that scene. So I think people are just getting... It's Star Wars fans being Star Wars fans. Mm -hmm, exactly. We've all, we've all heard the saying, no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. And it's an absolutely true statement, dude. Well, no one hates the Bears more than we do. Absolutely. No, no one hates Bears the Bears fans. more than Bears fans. <laughs> it, so it's exactly like that, man. It's like because there is so much fandom to this, when something, when there is something that people don't like, they latch onto it. And I'm not even going to say it's bad. Last Jedi. Look at The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. So there's a case in point right there. I just think that a lot of people are getting way too mad about this unjustifiably. 
because it's di- we there it's a different situation than the yeah last Jedi. when the series is over we can look at it and then yes. judge it as a whole as a and whole. say yeah this really was not too great we, it didn't end up going anywhere but we we haven't seen that yet yeah but i think this episode i think this episode is my favorite mm-hmm. i think it is better than last week's and i really think you'd say that i do say that just because wow I think the flashback in this episode is the key to everything Boba's going through mm. right now. Is because you see him rescued from the Sar or you see him escape the Sarlacc pit. Then the Jawas rip the only thing he's left of his quote unquote dad from Django ripped out. And then he meets the Tuscan Raiders. His mm. new family is found. He has family. He has a purpose. He has a place to be. And then that is taken away from him. So I think that scene right there is key. And really leads into his appearance in The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, I lost everything. Only possible thing I have left from my past is this armor. Which I, th- I think the armor means more to him than we think. Mm-hmm. So he makes that his mission after the Tuscans go. He's like, let me get this armor. Then he gets the armor. And then he's like, alright, now I'm going to take Java's spot. I'm going to take Bib Fortuna's spot. And I'm going to fix this messed up plate that place that Tatooine is. Yes. I do not want any more Tuscan Raiders to die. He just wants to bring order to this really screwed up planet. That's what it is, man. And so, don't worry. For those of you who haven't seen a lot of action with Boba, for me, who hasn't seen a lot of action with Boba, don't worry. It is coming. They haven't teased us with this generic faceless pike army, I guess. Boba's gonna go absolute beast mode at the end of this series. And it's coming up. He's gonna he's gonna go beast mode on this Nikto pirate gang who wiped out his sand people. Like we're gonna get these scenes of Boba being a, a beast. So mm-hmm. just wait, man. I like this episode a lot. I don't know if I'd put it ahead of last week's episode, but I do yeah, like that this train, episode. It, it's yeah, it's hard to say that because that train sequence is awesome. Mm. And a lot of the tough you know, maybe last week's was better. I'll say that, but this week's just advanced the story in a way I liked it too. And yeah, but I yeah, this scene def- this episode definitely loses points because of the and that's my thing. The inspector gadgets yeah. and that trash chase scene. That's why it loses its luster. Yeah, no, for you're me right. Because last week's is better. while we did get more and what we asked for in the present day, we got this trash biker gang. So. It kind of knocks it off. Inspector Gadget. So so I don't know. Anyway, I think that wraps it up. Let us know what you think of The Book of Boba, uh, Episode 3. Did you like it? Did you hate it? I really would like to know if you didn't like it. I mean, we know why you didn't like it. But um, we would also like to know your thoughts of what you think of the show as a whole so far. We're three episodes in. We've got four episodes left. So where do you want to see it go? I want to see these comments on YouTube. If you're listening to Spotify, great. That's awesome. Give us a follow. Rate us. And I'd like to know, we'll say this at the beginning of our next show too, but um, we are now on Apple Podcasts. So if you have an iPhone, it's legit free. So just like just like it is on Spotify, but uh, you have this downloaded there. So And that's where we get a lot of support. So Apple Podcasts, we are now there too. So as we grow and expand and um Enter the multiverse, as we call it. Um, we're going to keep going and keep striving and keep doing this and putting this out for you guys and for us. And We're really enjoying it, man. So anyway, I think it does it for this episode. 
Uh, this is Ben Rayside. This is Ethan Wetzlaw. Signing off. We hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic day, and may the force be with you.